welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. This is Justin. And I'm Josh. We are back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah, I had to miss the last recording, you know, back problems and all that fun stuff. It sucks getting old. That's, yeah. what, I, that's what I'm finding. I'm glad I'm not yeah. getting old. It's of nice course to not. Hear. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. Well, fellow nerds, we are here. It's almost Thanksgiving, and uh, we have a kind of a cool little intro here, but what we nerded out on, right? It's the same thing. Yeah, which doesn't normally happen. Normally, we're kind of watching different things at different times, but I think this one was kind of an obvious one when it came out. We're both big Breaking Bad fans, so. Yeah, so we, well. <laughs> so let's. Uh, so we watched El Camino. It's, yeah. it's called a Breaking Bad movie, right? So on Netflix, and basically it's a sequel. It, essentially, it's a sequel to Breaking Bad for the most part. And by sequel, it basically picks up. For the most part, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, this is going to be a spoiler. Spoiler alert. But it's been however many years now. It's kind of Yeah, past. I mean, if you don't know by now what happens in Breaking Bad. The statute of limitations is probably over. It's, 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 if it's over a couple years, it's on you now. So Jesse has just kind of been saved by Walt, and now it's what happens next. So Jesse is is escaping after he's been captured in the finale or the real the last season of Breaking Bad for the most part, and he's on the run, and the police are ch- chasing after him. And uh, it came out on Netflix as a Netflix original film on October 11th, 2019, and it was created by the same people who did Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Vince Gilligan. And, and if you didn't know this, he also did The X-Files. Yeah, I think that's kind of where he got his his name going in Hollywood. Yeah, where, where he cut his teeth. Yeah, that's a good term. I don't normally use that term a lot, but that's a good one. I said that in class the other day, and a lot of students didn't know what I was talking about. You're not hip, Mr. Hildebrand. You're I think I'm very – I think they're not hip. Low-key, you are not hip. I'll let other people be the judge than, okay. than you. Okay. Well, I kind of know these things now. I've, I've been taught this slang. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the stars are all from Breaking Bad. Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, who is in Need for Speed. And the upcoming third season of Westworld. He was also in a cult show. I can't remember the name of it on Hulu, right? The Path. He was oh. in The Path on Hulu as well. Mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons as Todd. He's in Fargo season two, Black Mask, Game Night, Friday Night Lights. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a great actor. I really like Jesse Plemons. And he's kind of like a very sympathetic character in this movie. And also... Even though he's a psychopath. I was going to say, like, you kind of like him, but you also recognize he's a sociopath. Like, he's, he's, he's absolutely insane. Yeah, he'll, like... Straight up murder a kid, and then you're like, oh. and then be like, hey, you want to share some macaroni and cheese? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he plays the role well. He does. He's crazy. Matt Jones as Badger and Charles Baker as Skinny Pete. Those two are hilarious in the movie. I love those guys. Yeah, they do a good job. Jonathan Banks as Mike Ermentrout. He's in Better Call Saul. He's in Gremlins. He also provides a voice in The Incredibles. Which uh, my daughter is getting into right now, so I have watched The Incredibles two about five hundred times. Incredibles, I think, is my favorite Disney. Let's just say the my favorite Pixar Disney film to come out in the last decade or two. Well, it's original. I mean, that's that's the big thing. <laughs> yeah. Is for Josh, it's a big we won't thing. we won't get on this now. I'll probably rant about it later. So, and then Brian Cranston as Walter White. He's in Malcolm in the Middle, Argo, Why Him, Sneaky Pete, season one. He is in. Right. Um, another spoiler alert, he is in the movie, but it is a flashback. Yeah. So I was, were you worried about that? I was a little worried they were going to try to crowd please. Well, let's get, I mean, let's get into like yeah. overall thoughts of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, 
I don't know. I, I, part of me wanted to see him maybe survive that whole ordeal, and then another part of me was I was very satisfied with the way that the film kind of I don't know, the story I told. I liked it yeah. a lot. It was a, it was like an old western. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed. There's a great shootout scene with um, Jesse and another guy that I I loved. I won't spoil it, but it was. Well, you've already spoiled that Brian Cranston and Walter White is back, but not really back. Well, I also said spoiler alert. Oh, good. Okay, so, you're right. So you said, so, you said all, with all due respect. As long as you say that, mm-hmm. you're good. You can say whatever yeah. you want after that. Definitely. I highly recommend. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, watch the movie. Obviously. Yeah, it was pretty solid. I, uh, my wife and I, we watched it and. Um, we we were not displeased, and it, and there were a lot of really awesome cameos, and it didn't seem forced. Mm-mm. Like let's just throw this random person in there. I, I thought it was pretty cleverly done. Yeah, yeah. So, so good job. Yeah, I I'm, I'm not surprised that they did a good job being from Vince Gilligan. Now, have you seen? Are you caught up with Better Call Saul? I'm on. I finished the first three seasons. Season four just came up on Netflix. Yeah. And then season five comes out in I think November. Uh, November. February. What about you? We're we're halfway through season two, so we're we're only a couple episodes. It's pretty behind. good. It's yeah. pretty good. It's enjoyable. Saul Goodman is just a really likable character. So funny story about that. My wife's principal that she works with texted her one time, and he said Saul Goodman. That's what he said. And Chelsea says to me, she goes, "What does that mean?" And I was able to provide her a fifteen-minute history lesson about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Awesome. So I think at the end of it, she was tired of it, most likely. But <laughs> that happens. That does so, happen. Yeah. All right, so now on to what we're talking about. Yeah, let's get into our full nerd for the day, and we are going to nerd out on Peaky Blinders today. Yeah, we've had some people request this, right? Yeah, my sister, so I hope you're listening, Jordan, because this is for you. Right. So <laughs> so if you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, well, I don't know what you've been doing with yourself the last couple of years, but you need to. So let's talk about what it is first. It is a... Okay, the plot is it's a, it's, it's a gang in Birmingham, uh, Great Britain, who basically, they sew razors into their caps. I mean, they're like a mob gang for the most part. And they, they, they sew these razors into their caps. Um, and it essentially talks about, like, how their leader, Tommy Shelby, and the rest of the family rise through the criminal ranks. It came out and debuted um, September 13th, I'm sorry, September 30th, 2014 in the U.S. on Netflix. September 12th, 2013, in Canada, UK, and Mexico, but it originally aired on the British Broadcasting Company, the BBC, and is a British-made show. Yeah, and it's created and written by Stephen Knight, who was also involved with Eastern Promises, that has Viggo Mortensen in the movie Lock with Tom Hardy. Yeah, I like, I like that, that film. Yeah. It stars Cillian Murphy as Tommy Shelby, and he's been in pretty much every Christopher Nolan movie imaginable. Inception, Batman Begins, he's in uh, Dunkirk, so he's in a lot of movies. It has Paul Anderson as Arthur Shelby. He's in Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, The Revenant, and Legend, Helen McCrory as Aunt Paul, Harry Potter, and The Count of Monte Cristo. She's in Sophie Rundle as Aida Shelby. She's in Jamestown TV and on Titanic. Ned Dennehy as Charlie Strong. And here's Tom Hardy again. Tom Hardy playing a masterful Alfie Solomons. Sometimes you may need to turn the the subtitles on to understand Alfie, but that's okay. And that's kind of I think that's kind of the whole point. Is yeah. he just he mumbles and he's he's a he's a uh, well I mean what would you what would you consider him like he he's like a rabbi sort yeah. of <laughs> yeah he's the head of the Jewish mafia yeah. basically <laughs> is what and he's just awesome yeah so he's in 
Dark Knight Rises, Inception, Mad Max Fury Road, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, Tom Hardy's in so many good movies, Venom, and then Finn Cole as Michael Strong, and he's in Animal Kingdom on TV. Yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of some people you've heard of and then a few people that have kind of been around a little bit but are kind of some new up-and-comers. Um, season 5 just debuted on Netflix this October 4th. It's technically, technically considered a Netflix original due to a previous U.S. distribution sale, which is a fun fact. But the BBC Studios co-produced the series and provides the official green light for new seasons, or as they call them, series, uh, in England. And as of now, Peaky Blinders Season 6 has actually recently just been renewed. Yeah, it was renewed. And so, so and they're thinking that they're going to get it through seven seasons. That's kind of the plan for Well, I uh, think... Yeah, it's. I was reading the other day about it. It's a story between wars. Yeah, and we'll get into that later. But yeah, and as a history nerd, I I just I love this show. Yep. So what we wanted to do, we kind of before we get into our thoughts and some nerd facts, we kind of just wanted to give you guys a summary of the season so far. So again, this is going to be spoiler free for the most part. So if you have not seen the show, you're good. Uh, we'll tell you if there's going to be a spoiler. So <laughs> yes. season one. Yeah, we'd like to. Yeah, we'll, we'll preempt you with spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, season one. It's set in 1919, Birmingham, England, and this is kind of where we were, obviously, we're introduced to the gang. Tommy Shelby finds his crew has come under the scrutiny of the Belfast Chief Inspector, Chester Campbell, who has been sent to clean up the city of crime, because the Peaky Blinders kind of own the city of Birmingham, so this new outside inspector comes in, and the whole story is about that and the, the, the conflict that they have with... The inspector. Yeah, and that's that's Sam Neill. Yes. If you if you don't know who that is, yeah. he's uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of other things too, but Jurassic Park. Yeah, and that show that aired on BBC Two on September thirteenth, twenty thirteen, and every every single series or, as we call it, season is six episodes. Right. Which, it kind of sucks because the show is so good. But then I also think they don't drag anything out, and that really helps the pacing of the show. Well, and they're like a full hour long. Yeah. Like it's not 42 minutes like mm-hmm. a regular old you know, network show with commercials built in. It's, it's straight 60 minutes yeah. pretty much every episode. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, I mean, it's a pretty decent amount of time per season or series. We'll just say season since, yeah. we're, since we're, we're in, in America. We're in the United States right now. It's like we say football. Well, that's different. That's different. Well, but we do, so. <laughs> All right, season two. Season two is set two years after the events of season one. Um, it follows the Shelby family as they, you know, they're pretty much, they're expanding their business, but now they're heading south and north, but they're also really sticking to Birmingham, uh, England. It begins in 1921 and ends with a climax at Epson Racecourse on Derby Day, which was May 31st, 1922. Yeah, and that is one of the best episodes of the entire show, if you ask me. That, that episode is amazing. Yeah. The acting. It is kind of cool. They, I mean, they tell this story throughout the, like you said, between two wars and through, you know, real time. And we'll talk in a minute about how this is historically accurate. But it's kind of cool. You kind of see things happening like that happen in real life with these somewhat fictional characters. Yeah. And this one aired on BBC Two on October 2nd, 2014, and again ran for six episodes. Okay, so then moving to season three, we move ahead two years. It's set in 1924. And it follows the Shelby family as they're entering the international world of crime. So they're going from being in Birmingham to London, and then now they're expanding outward into the world of crime. And that's going to put Shelby and his entire risk and organization, or organization at risk, 
And this is with the Russians. There's a lot of cool Russian stuff. And I am a huge nerd about the Russian Revolution. I've read a lot of books about it. So just seeing them weave that into the show was pretty cool. And it's, it's just it's an enjoyable season. It's a little difficult to understand at times. And this was... Yeah, you really have to pay attention to this show. Yeah. And n- number one, because you can't hardly hear what they're, what they're saying half the time or understand what they're saying. Yeah. But also, there's a lot of characters. Yeah. And... A lot of them act very similarly, and so you just really have to be like, oh, that's that one Russian yeah. spy, and mm-hmm. this is the R- Russian overlord, whatever it is. It's not a show you can sit on your phone and watch in the background. Yeah, if you're playing Mario Kart on your phone, you're going to be in serious trouble. Yeah. You won't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and this show aired on BBC May 5th, 2016 for six episodes, and there was almost a two-year, 19-month hiatus in between season two and three. Yeah, a couple of these seasons have had that. Season four is set in 1926. And the Shelbys are now facing off with Luca Changretti and the Italian Mafia from America. So, again, we're still expanding internationally. And who, who played Luca again? Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, that's right. He did a pretty good job, actually. When I saw him cast and I saw, like, as the trailers, I was like, eh, I don't know about Adrian Brody. Yeah, I being. was a little worried about it, but he, yeah. he owned it, and he, he did good. He really did a great job. He might be the best opponent of the entire sh- show, I think. Yeah. He was a pretty cool bad guy. If yeah. you can say bad, because, I, I mean, technically, the Peaky Blinders aren't good guys. They're our protagonists, but, I mean, they're not exactly choir boys. <laughs> so, no, they're not yeah. They're not good people. Yes. I, I suppose they have good intentions for family, but they do it in a very unethical, illegal way. Yes. <laughs> so this aired on BBC Two on November 15th, 2017, and ran for, again, six episodes. I will stop saying that. It's always six episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the most recent season, season five, and this has gone forward about three years, and you it starts with the stock market crash of 1929. And then we're also seeing the rise of the fascist party in the United Kingdom, which is very telling with historical events. He's Stephen Knight is going right through this era. And, I mean, this show is so good showing that season about the rise of fascism. I, I would almost use it in my history classes to show the rise of fascism across the world because they do such a phenomenal job of that. I like this season a lot. I did too. I feel I feel like I've heard people tell me that they didn't think this season was as good, but I personally I was I was super on the edge of my seat. I thought that this whole fascist story and it was just maybe I just cuz I'm a big historical fan of World War II and just kind of how that happened, mm-hmm. right? Worldwide. I don't know. I I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was good. I really enjoyed it. So this aired as a live TV series, and it went on BBC One from August 25th to September 22nd in the United Kingdom, and then it was released as six episodes on Netflix. And it marks the first time in the series to air on BBC One instead of BBC Two. And unfortunately, this was the longest hiatus between seasons, which was 21 months. Yeah, we should mention, too, I was talking about I was talking about the the Russian, or not, I'm sorry, not the Russian, but the, the fascist rise. The guy who plays the main character, Sam Claffin, like, he does just an incredible job. Yeah. And, he, and if you don't know who that is, he's probably best known from, like, The Hunger Games. But he was also in Me Before You in a couple other movies. Is that with so. Khaleesi? I have not seen Me Before You. That is with Khaleesi. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I, just, I, wouldn't, I didn't even know that. I'm looking at the... Yeah, the, the cover of the of the. I only know that because "Photographed" by Ed Sheeran is in there, and we listen to that in my class a lot, and that's the video for it. Yeah. 
So that's the only reason I know that. I have not seen the movie. Well, good good work. Yeah, I try. Okay, so like I said, season five was enjoyable. Go watch it. Let's move on to the historical accuracy of the show Peaky Blinders because there's a lot of historical mentions in the show, so we figured we'd get into that and the accuracy. Yeah, so in the 1890s, there was a big-time subculture in Birmingham, and really it was because of an economic recession. And overseas, various groups of dispossessed people turned to organized crime in New York City in the same basic concept applied to the Peaky Blinders home city of Birmingham. So basically, we started seeing these mob places pop up. And the Peaky Blinders, their true story dates back to the 1870s. According to historian Barbara Weinberger, the gang first emerged because anti-Irish sentiments offered, quote, offered a focus and a target for the frustrations of inner city youths, which became institutionalized in the gang warfare. Yeah, and so the Peaky Blinders were a real street gang in Birmingham. They did dress fancy with tailored coats, but kind of the whole point of the show about the blades in their hats, most likely that is a urban legend. Kind of so, cool, though. Yeah, it's very cool, and they use them very effectively in the show as well. Yeah. So some historians believe the name simply came because they wore caps that were flat and had stiff peaks, and that they committed their violence with knives, belt buckles, and metal tip boots. They were unlikely in real life to carry razor blades because in the 1890s, razor blades were luxury items, and they were too expensive for the gang to own. So the idea that they had the caps, the blades in their caps, comes from a novel, novel by John Douglas named A Walk Down Summer Lane. Hmm. The the actual Peaky Blinders consisted of uh, really a bunch of different gangs and were anything but one single family. Criminals like Thomas Gilbert ran with a specific crew, thus making the name Peaky Blinders more prominent with Birmingham within Birmingham culture. They were a crime family by association, not by blood or like a united code of omerta, like the Italian-American mafia. So not all family, I mean kind of family, but not like blood family yeah basically. not like brothers and aunts and right which is that's basically what the whole peaky blinders yeah. are in the show uh, over time the so-called peaky blinders began referring to themselves as sloggers the product of poverty squalor and slum environment what a terrible name do you like the word sloggers no no all right good yeah <laughs> uh thomas shelby who's the main character of the entire series who's played again by Cillian murphy was not a real person. In fact, the entire Shelby family was created from scratch by Stephen Knight. Yeah, so while Tommy was fictional, Billy Kimber, who was in season one, and Darby Sabini were in season two, were much alive and active. Billy Kimber was a bookie who ran race courses in the UK, and he achieved Tommy's goal of dying a legitimate businessman. Although it turns out that Kimber actually died in a nursing home in Torquay at age 63, not at the hand of, spoiler a Shelby. Sabini was one of Kimber's rivals and is also the inspiration for Colliani and Graham Greene's novel Brighton Rock. So in the, in the book, I'm sorry, in the book, in the show, Peaky Blinders basically dominates the 1920s and on. But in real life, they, their time was essentially the 1890s. And by the 1920s, a gang named the Birmingham Gang, very very clever name. Creative. Historians <laughs> are creative. They were actually in charge. They had they were beginning to dominate the city. The Peaky Blinders were still there, but they didn't have the, the power that they, they that's portrayed in the show. Yeah, another interesting historical tidbit in the show, 
Charlie Chaplin. I assume, Justin, you know who that is, Charlie Chaplin. I do. Okay. He has a sweet mustache. Yeah, and a terrible voice for real movies because he was a silent actor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he makes an appearance, one of the most famous actors of the 1920s, in season two of Peaky Blinders. And this makes sense because he was a Birmingham native with a gypsy upbringing. I guess we forgot to mention that the blinders in the show are all gypsies. Like, that's the big thing with their family. So a lot of mystical belief and stuff like that. However, the real chaplain would have been fully unaware that the Peaky Blinders reached their fame decades before he was even around. In the 1890s, Chaplin would have been a toddler. So when the real Peaky Blinders were strong and famous, Charlie Chaplin would not have been around. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, obviously, it makes sense why that storyline was changed. Because oh, for sure. If you're, yeah. if you're telling the story of, of Tommy Shelby, who's a person coming back from the mm-hmm. First World War, yeah, I mean that that's why that whole everything's basically pushed back 30 years cuz it's kind of like a what drives him to be the person he is kind of. He's got a lot of you know, mm-hmm. he left for the war, he came back a different person, but also the same. I don't know, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, and speaking of that, members of the Peaky Blinders did actually serve in World War 1. The youngest member of the gang, Henry Fowler, was even buried alive in the trenches and couldn't speak or see for some time following the war. Right. So that's and Tommy, I mean, Tommy had one of the most dangerous jobs in the war. So it's just an interesting tidbit there. Yeah. So in season one, two, and three, there is definitely like a kind of a fear of communism. And that's, it, it's pretty much what would have been happening there. That was kind of a undertone after World War One about it possibly being a government that might take over. Right. Yeah. They had a lot of fears. You know, we had the red, the red, the first red scare in America in the 1920s. So. That fear of the commies rising up was a very, very real fear. As I go into history teacher mode, I will stop and get back in the nerd mode here. <laughs> Tommy is forced into a partnership in season five with, again, we mentioned Oswald Mosley, who was a real-life politician who led the British Union of Fascists in the 1930s. Yeah, and if you watch him in the show, he's got a lot of Hitler-like stuff. I mean, if you think that in season five, you know, he does the... <laughs> the Hitler arm wave and all that stuff. So they did an awesome job portraying yeah. that. Yeah. His, yeah. His speeches have a real, I don't know, authoritative. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hitler-esque. Authoritative yeah. Hitler esque Dwight Schrute in the office, pounding the desk. Yeah. A lot of pounds, yeah. arm, arm gestures. Yeah. Yeah. So many Peaky Blinders fans in the UK are familiar with Winston Churchill, who obviously is one of the most famous men of the ni- 1900s. He was the Prime Minister of England from 1951 to 1955, as well as during World War II. But it takes place, Peaky Blinders takes place, over two decades before Churchill's major political ascent. And it foreshadows the future while simultaneously establishing Tommy's inner circle. Well, we see Churchill, finally. Yeah. In, the, in season five. He was in season two as well. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, but a much I, younger Churchill yeah. in season two. That's right. Yeah, he kind of, well, I won't spoil it. So, <laughs> Also, season five introduces a drug runner named Brilliant Chang, who makes opium distribution with Tommy. In real life, Chang ran a Chinese restaurant in Birmingham and was publicly identified in the news as a dope king. And in fact, he was a drug distribution kingpin, and that could be a storyline for the show going forward. So, I mean, really what we're getting at with this historical accuracy is that a lot of these people exi- happen, or existed. They had similar roles in real life, but maybe it didn't happen at the time that it happened yeah. in the show. 
and the Shelbys are kind of like this fictional family driving all of these this major storyline. But it it makes for a great show, and he does stay true to a lot of the historical stuff right. in the show. I mean, so yeah, you got to Hollywoodize it a bit. But yeah. I, overall, I think they do a really good job. And like I said, showing the rise of fascism in season five, they do a phenomenal job at. Totally agree. Yeah. All right, so let's get into some of our nerd facts for the day. Yeah, some more behind-the-scenes stuff about our old Peaky Blinders. So apparently Stephen Knight avoids watching any other TV dramas in order to stop himself from copying anything they're doing. That would be tough. That's real dedication. Mm-hmm. Thomas Shelby, who's, again, Cillian Murphy, smoked over 3,000 cigarettes on the show just by the end of season two. He is always smoking a cigarette. He is, like, constantly chain-smoking. Yes. His current counts would sum to about 6,000 cigarettes on set. Um, however, he was infor- he informed importer- <laughs> reporters that he smokes herbal cigarettes. They don't contain tobacco or nicotine, and therefore they're not addictive. And the creator, Stephen Knight, joked that the herbal ones are so weak that they would probably count as one of his five a day. Yeah, and so Tommy's haircut has become iconic. You know, long hair on the top, the shaved side. My little brother does it, which I don't know if that's iconic or not anymore. But anyway, <laughs> um, Chillian Murphy is horrified by it. He said he meets fans in the street and they love it. And he sees a lot of people copy off him, but he hates having that haircut. He said, "Real quick, who who of us is saying his name wrong? Is it I believe Chillian or Cillian? I believe it's Chillian. Chillian. I'm, I'm fairly certain that it is. Okay. Or is it Killian? It might be Killian. This is great podcast prep. But we're going to say C Murphy. Yeah. Can we just say we're, Scarecrow? I was going to say yeah. that. I was going to say we're going to call him Scarecrow from yeah, now on because he does a great job in that movie. As yes. Well. Okay. So." Now that I think of it, it might be Killian Murphy. I think we've both been saying it wrong. Or you know what? It doesn't matter. Scarecrow. Yeah. He's the main protagonist, and he's awesome. People think he's attractive. He's got blue they, eyes. Yeah, the ladies love Scarecrow. They do say that, yes. So, and then um, fire is a recurring image in Peaky Blinders, and it's a good thematic reason for that. They are making the connection between Tommy's career as a criminal and his fate to end up in hell. So they have this constant fire, and almost every single show starts off with Tommy like strutting down the street, and there's fire going behind him. So, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool, pretty cool foreshadowing. Yeah, it was really good, really good uh, cinemata- really great cinematography and shots mm-hmm. in the show that kind of represent that. So Finn Cole and Joe Cole are two characters, and they're played by Michael Gray and John Shelby. And actually, flip, reverse that. flip that. Yes. Flip it and reverse that. So Finn Cole and Joe Cole are the actors, and they are real brothers in real life. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was really well done on yes. my part. You know, you had a late night last night. I, so I did. I saw on Facebook you were at some concert or something. I was at a concert. I was in bed, though. I, was, I got some pretty good sleep last night. Well, there we go. Yeah, but I'm, I guess I just got too much. Finn actually... Has Joe to thank for that part, by the way. Finn was studying for his A-levels at the time and didn't have the train fare to get to Birmingham for the open auditions. And Joe, who had already been cast, suggested he tape an audition, which he passed on to the casting directors. And then he got hired. And he does a fantastic job. I don't think there's really anyone in this show that does a poor job. No, that's a good point. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ra- rank it, like, racking my brain right now to think about, like, is there someone that's I'm like, ugh, I hate when they're on screen. They bother me. The only one who gets into my skin a little bit is Ada, the sister. 
She, yeah. she fr- but she does a great job, and she's kind of there to frustrate you. I was going to so say, I think that's the purpose of her character. That's probably why, yeah, because she does such a good job of annoying yeah. everyone or frustrating people. Yes. So she still does a great job acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So although it's set in Birmingham in the 1920s, the show itself is filmed around Liverpool and Merseyside and in London. Wherever possible and appropriate, they shot scenes in Birmingham and the West Midlands. However, there are very few areas of Birmingham left that still resemble the period environment required. There's a lot of criticism, apparently, about their accents, which, I mean, again, I'm not from there, so I don't really know, but apparently the 1920s dialect for Birmingham, England, was said to be slightly different, and so Helen uh, McCrory actually stated that the accents are authentic to 1920s Birmingham dialect. So while certain UK viewers don't think that they're very good, they're watered down, they actually think that they are more accurate um, than believed. Interesting. Yeah. And they they think that it's watered down to appeal to us over here in the states. Which is interesting because I feel like they should water them down even more because yeah. I still can't understand half the things that they're saying. Yeah, definitely. They just talked. They're much more clever than we are. They mm-hmm. talk. They talk quicker. And I just can't comprehend it. Yep. So Sam Neill was born in Northern Ireland, but he grew up in New Zealand. So when he was cast as Campbell in Peaky Blinders and was required to do an Irish accent. He enlisted the help of Irish actors James Nesbitt, who was in the Hobbit series, and actor Liam Neeson. Yeah. We know who Liam Neeson is. So Everybody we knows we don't have to talk about him. who Liam Neeson is. Yeah. So Helen McCrory, who plays Aunt Polly, she gets second billing, meaning she's a second top star after Scarecrow in the show. She's higher in the cast list than Sam Neill. She plays, like I said, Polly. She's the aunt of Tommy. She ran the gang for Tommy while he was gone in World War One, and his brothers were gone, and she really needed to nail the Brummy accent, so she decided to base it on a Birmingham celebrity, Ozzy Osbourne. So oh. she says she watched endless clips of the Black Sabbath frontman speaking in interviews and between songs and concerts to figure out his Birmingham accent. Talk about somebody that you can't understand what he's saying. Yeah. That's I can understand I am Iron Man. Right, That's yeah. about it. That's pretty much <laughs> it. Yeah. So... Stephen Knight also cr- decided to create and write Peaky Blinders when he directed Jason Statham, another man who needs no introduction, in the movie Redemption. When he started to round out his script and figure out who his characters were, he was eager to get Statham into the cast of Peaky Blinders. I'll be honest, I don't know that he would be good in, in Peaky Blinders. I think he would be good if he played his like character from Snatch. I haven't seen that one. So... It's a Guy Ritchie film, and it's got uh, Brad Pitt in it, and it's 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 about you know people in Britain, and it's hilarious, and it's but it's also very cleverly done. It's about the criminal underworld, whatever. He does an awesome job of that, but he's become like this action hero now. Yeah, right. So it's hard. It is kind of hard. To, it's kind of like he's kind of like the Rock type character. Mm-hmm. He's just he's this big bad that nobody wants can't, to mess with. Well, yeah, and they can't and maybe. People don't look at him. He has like the acting chops. He's mm-hmm. just more of an action hero. But I think he's actually pretty good. What's fun about this whole series and the creator, Stephen Knight, he actually said that the concept from it came from a, a story his dad told him when he said, when he was eight or nine, his dad gave him a message on a piece of paper and said, go and deliver this to your uncles. And his uncles were the Sheldons who eventually became the Shelbys. Kind of, kind of fun. Mm-hmm. He was asked about the kind of movies that influenced Peaky Blinders. Stephen Knight said he was inspired by Westerns um, more than gangster movies, which kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. 
and the UK's version of cowboy stories are legends about knights, and according to the Peaky Blinders creator, but Britain doesn't have a tradition of movies about knights like America has a tradition of cowboy movies. So the first episode is Tommy riding into town on a horse to kind of reflect the Western, the Western vibe he's got going on. Yeah, and that's kind of how every single Western movie opens. Yeah. Ever. I think that's a topic for a future podcast is our favorite Western. I think that would be a fun podcast. Let us know out there if you think that is a good idea or not. So, I'm not, I'm not really a big Western person. <sighs> you wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, did, did you watch Godless on Netflix? No. You need to watch that. You know what, my Western... It's, it's a miniseries. It's amazing. I like Longmire. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's, he's, he's like a... You and my parents, you like that show. Yeah. Yes. He's a lawman up in Wyoming in the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. It's got a Western vibe to it. Mm-hmm. He wears a cowboy hat. I was never a John Wayne type person. Yeah. I mean, what was that one with Clint Eastwood? Unforgiven. I guess there's Unforgiven. I was going to yeah. say, not even the older one movies, but Unforgiven. I've seen that with Gene Hackman. Yeah. There's, some there's another one, too. There. Christian Bale is in it with Russell Crowe. It's a great Western movie. There's it's a, called 310 to Yuma. 310 to Yuma. I've heard of that. There's a really good one, too, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, uh, Russell Crowe's in that movie. Russell Crowe's in that one. What is that one called? The Quick and the Dead. The Quick and the Dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not really a good movie, but it's great. It's yeah. a great movie. I mean, probably the most iconic Western movie has got to be Wild Wild West. Yes, with Will Smith. Yeah, and St. Louis native Kevin Klein. So can't, can't go wrong with Wild Wild West. Yeah, big mechanical spiders. Anyway, let's get back on track here. <laughs> So Peaky Blinders achieved its success at around the same time as another British drama series. That would be Downton Abbey. You seen that? My wife watches it, and I've I've been there while it's happening. Okay, I've never watched it before. <laughs> they made a movie, I know. They did. It just came out. It's yeah. very it's very slow, mm. and not a whole lot happens. Yeah. So because Downton is all about aristocrats and their servants with a light, clean cut tone, whereas Peaky Blinders is far more intense in every way. There's a reason why Peaky Blinders is so far removed from Downton Abbey. That's what they're going for. Producer Lori Borg said that the aim of Peaky Blinders is to be the complete opposite of Downton, which he thinks is probably the dullest show on television. I mean, it's pretty dull. I've never seen it. I don't really care to see it. It was on PBS, it, it's right? Like, a, like, so, yeah. Yeah, it was on the BBC and then PBS. It's like a, it's like a daytime soap opera, but masqueraded as a as like you said like a, a this aristocratic type of episode on just show whatever so anyway um the theme song for peaky blinders red right hand i love that oh my gosh yeah it's amazing i skip through a lot of like intros for mm-hmm. shows i never skip through no, that one that is great it's written by nick cave and the bad seeds and the song also appears in the x-files dumb and dumber hellboy and the Scream trilogy. Oh, and Jack Irish, Bad Debts. I don't know what that is. Me and, neither. And the other Jack Irish TV movies and series. So, I, I, you know, maybe it's something in the UK. But anyway, it's in a lot of things. And I had never heard it before. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I have, but I just didn't notice it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Dumb and Dumber. I do not remember that song being in the movie. I, I, if it's in the movie, it's not that version of it. Yeah. There's no way. No. I mean, maybe there is. I, I guess it could be. But I would I, have to go back and rewatch Dumb and Dumber now. I'm watching Dumb and Dumber tonight, I guess. I have to. Yeah. So Tom Hardy, we already mentioned him earlier, but he joins the show during season two. This is the fourth time that the Scarecrow and Bane have worked together. 
They've appeared in Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, and Dunkirk. And I said Bane because Tom Hardy plays Bane. Yes. In also case, hard to understand in that movie. <laughs> he does. Well, he's got a mask on yeah. the whole time. That makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> it turns out that the man who Hardy portrays, Alfie Solomons, married a rich, widowed racehorse owner, Mae Carrollton, in real life. In the show, they're played by Tom Hardy and Charlotte Riley, and they have actually been married since 2014 as well. Crazy web here. They met in 2009 on the set of BBC's adaptation of Wuthering Heights. And this is just random, but I thought it was interesting, is the fact that there are more canals in Birmingham than in Venice. I, I think that's an awesome fun fact. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you think of Venice as like the canal capital of the world. Yeah. So Tommy Flanagan, who plays Chibs on Sons of Anarchy. And he was in Mayans for one episode. Oh, really? Didn't watch it. I just saw the spoiler. Okay. So. Is only He's actually only 13 years older than Paul Anderson, who plays Arthur Shelby, who plays his son. And in season four, episode one, Tommy mentions leaving food and drink out for Santa and Rudolph. But the show takes place in the 1920s, and Rudolph didn't actually make his first appearance until 1939. And Santa has been known exclusively as Father Christmas in the UK until the influence of US TV and movies created a kind of a Santa predominance in the younger generations, not really not into the 90s. So it used to be Father Christmas over in the yeah. UK. Probably still is a little bit. Yeah, and so getting into more recent stuff, the producers of Peaky Blinders were among the first responders to the hashtag MeToo movement because they removed the Weinstein Company's logo from their credits almost immediately after the allegations against Harvey Weinstein. And they had previously, the Weinstein Company had previously handled the American distribution of the show, which can be attributed to a lot of its success. And Stephen Knight, again the creator, has said that while it's often said that violent TV shows nurture violence, he has gone out of his way to depict violence in the show in a realistic and unglamorous way by showing the repercussions of violent acts. He has said that the writing of Peaky Blinders abides by the rule that any act of violence has to have consequence in terms of the story to avoid glamorizing. And I think he does a great job at that. Violence yeah. is definitely not glorified in the show. No, it, it always comes back to bite them in the butt. Yeah. All, every character. If something, if they do something, it's eventually going to come back around to them, which is, I mean, that's kind of how the world works. Yeah. So there are a lot of famous fans of Peaky Blinders, and one of them is David Bowie. And before he passed, he actually sent the Scarecrow, Mr. C. Murphy, a picture of himself wearing a cap with razor blades sewn into it. I would have loved to have seen a picture of yeah. that. He he actually, Bowie, uh, agreed to have a song from what would be the final album featured in the show. Um, but right after his people made the negotiations to get the track on the show, he passed away and never actually got to hear his music played over one of his favorite shows. So that's unfortunate, but it will live on them in, yes. in infamy. And Snoop Dogg, let's not forget about other famous famous uh, people that love the show. Snoop Dogg is a, is a fan of Peaky Blinders. The rapper reportedly once invited Knight over for a three-hour meeting where they got high and Snoop told Knight about how the series reflects what attracted him to gang culture as a kid in Long Beach. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> I would yeah. like to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. I'd like to be a fly on the wall for any conversation with Snoop Dogg. Excellent point. <laughs> and then so just kind of wrap it up. While, while Stephen Knight has said that it will be on the air for at least another three seasons, he has also given away what he intends to end the whole series with. And like we said, this is a story of a family between two wars. He plans on ending the series 
when you hear Birmingham's first air raid sirens of the Second World War, hmm. which will be awesome. It'll be really cool. Of course, then you'll be like, do they survive and all that? And then people will be begging for a movie, but hopefully they don't do a movie. I don't know. They'll make a Netflix original yeah. film for it. Mm-hmm. So did you know that they didn't actually start naming the episodes and giving them titles until season four? That is interesting. So because fir- a name gives away a lot about an episode. Yeah, so the first three seasons were just called episode mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, all the way through 18. I remember watching this show on Netflix, finding it, and being like, oh, let me try this out. Yeah. And it was actually our former boss, <laughs> Dr. Sue Jackson, that got me hooked on this show. Which is hilarious, because if you know Dr. Jackson, this yeah. doesn't seem like the type of show that yeah. she would be into. Dr. Jackson, I hope you're listening out there. I hope you are. I'm sure she does. She probably yeah. tunes in every week. Yeah. And she finally got that infamous shout out from us. I know. But thanks for turning us on to that show. That was it's a it's a, yes. this show. It's a great one. You know, I've kind of been quiet on my shout outs today, so I figured I better get moving on that. Uh, you'll have plenty to at the do end. at the we'll end have here. Plenty at the end. What yes. w- before we kind of talk about what we're expecting moving on in the last couple seasons, or especially season six? What's your favorite episode? My favorite episode is from season four, and it is episode five. And I don't want to. Sp- Boil too much, but there is a shootout scene between Tommy and Luca Shangretti. I'm not going to say what happened, but it is just a phenomenal episode. The shootout is great. Um, just like the backstabbing that goes on, it just I could talk about it all day. It's it's phenomenal. Do you, you remember that one? Oh yeah, there there are. I mean, throughout the show, there's a really clear theme of. Everyone is really out for themselves and what's mm-hmm. best for their family or best for their gang or whatever it is. And so they form these mini alliances. It's got a real survivor feel to, to it. They form these alliances, they're friends, and then they use them up until they need them, don't need them anymore, or they can benefit in a different way. Yeah, and the name of the episode aptly is called The Duel. Right. So it's just, it might be one of my top five favorite episodes of TV of all time. It's that really? good. That's pretty good. Yeah. What about you? I, you know, I, I, mine's kind of a tie. I really enjoyed the most recent finale just because I thought it was like you see the rise of the fascist, you know, community in the UK. I just thought it was very well done, this whole kind of behind the scenes of the speech. It's pretty, the last 10 minutes are, are, are shocking. Yes. Uh, but in a good way. And it really just, I mean, it leaves an amazing cliffhanger. Yeah. And sometimes that's frustrating, but I, I really liked it. I thought the cliffhanger was well done because they don't always do cliffhangers. Yeah. Some shows do cliffhangers every single year, and that gets frustrating. But Yeah, well, so, heck, show, some shows do a cliffhanger every episode. Yeah. But you're right. The show really, it kind of each season kind of tells its own story. Mm-hmm. And or it's chapter in, 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 yeah. in their lives or whatever it is. And in this instance, it's it's the first time I, that I can remember where it's like, a, I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, I guess if you think about the end of season three, spoiler alert. Hold on, that's my other favorite episode. Oh, okay, go ahead then. At the end of season three, when there's a lot of... Spoiler alert. What do you, hold on, what, what's the big spoiler? You can go ahead and say it. Spoiler. The whole police come in to arrest Tommy's family, and he's standing there... Oh, that's, that's the end of season four. Yeah. No, the end of season four is him going as a, he's a congressman or a, he's in parliament. He just got elected to parliament. Really? Season three is the end and the police come into his house and they're arresting his entire family because season four then starts out with Aunt Paul and everybody in nooses. Gotcha. Oh, you're right. I know I'm right. Well, I know. You, do know, you do know you're Peaky Blinders more yes. than I do. 
Well, I also the reason why I actually like that episode, not because they all get arrested, is I like that the there's this turmoil between them and uh, um, Tom Hardy. Like that yes. really kind of culminates like in that episode, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool. Yes. Um, all right, so well, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, but what, what happens next? Like, what, what should we expect in season six? And you know, if you haven't seen season five, you can go ahead and skip forward for the next minute mm-hmm. or two because we are going to talk about based on what what happens. We're going to spoil some stuff a little bit, so move on uh, and listen to the end. First off, I mean, it, season five ends with him his Tommy's failure. He didn't assassinate Mosley, which is cool. Yeah, because. He doesn't always win. It's, and it seems like he, he kind of gets away with things. Like he's always yeah. got some – you know what it is? He's always got this master plan that you don't really know what to expect. And somehow – I don't want to say it always works out because he definitely loses family members and has, mm-hmm. has some really bad bad luck. But in the long run, you're like, oh, he had – it's the long game, the yeah. long con yeah. that he's always playing. And it may, it may take three seasons, but it's it, you know it works out in his favor. In this instance, he's like, I don't know what happened. My assassination didn't work. He he thinks there's a traitor in his inner circle, and he that needs to be that's going to be addressed like pretty much all next season, right? Mm-hmm. And he also thinks that maybe it, it kind of like alludes to this may be the end for the Shelbys, as in he isn't going to always win, and maybe the fascists will win, and he's kind of coming to that realization. Yeah, so naturally he feels a bit paranoid, and in an amazing final sequence, it's showing him seeing a vision of his poor dead wife Grace. And he's screaming out with a pistol pressed against his head. That's kind of a theme, too, especially in this last season where he, he's definitely considering suicide. Yeah, he's got PTSD. I mean, you can see that being a World War One vet. That's a, kind of a whole line of the show. And I think, But I think a lot of the other things that have kind of befallen him with his wife dying and other mm-hmm. things like that, like he's – it's 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 stirring this stuff up. Yes. But, and it's being represented in flashbacks from the war. Yeah, and then so then Michael's proposal to restructure the family's business and kind of make Michael the leader is going to be a main plot line in season six. And I just he annoys me, Michael. He does, he's he's played great. He's a guy I want to lose. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really rooting for him. No, that's Polly's son. Yes, but she actually sided with Tommy on some stuff, but not anymore. Well, it's uh, because Michael married this new American yeah. woman, and he, everyone thinks that she's kind of playing puppet master with which she may be i guess the jury is still out on that Mm -hmm. one so then tommy kind of going forward must decide if he indeed wants to be tommy shelby i said that with an irish accent a little bit leader of the peaky blinders or if he wants to be mr jones a has-been using a dead man's name all for the sake of good business so i am extremely excited about season six and where they go with it we'll see hopefully they don't take 21 months off again exactly come on come on Scarecrow, get out there and get working. Let's make it happen. Sooner rather than later. Yeah. That's that's Peaky Blinders. Yes. So, Jordan, I hope you listened, and I hope you enjoyed it. Go see see the show. Yeah. Nerd Outreach, part five. Thank yous. Of course, always, thanks, fans, for tuning back in. Obviously. Thank thank you, Josh, for finding time in your schedule to be here. Yeah, you know, life is kind of crazy <laughs> right now. When If you ever have a kid, I think you'll understand. I, I, under, so. <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily empathize, but I can certainly sympathize. Yes. So, as always, thank you to my wife and Abigail for letting me come and do this. And I'd like to thank my employer for giving me a new or fancier computer that allows me to edit things quicker. Go ahead and rub it in. You know, not all of us get that kind of stuff in the real world. Yeah. Well, yeah, in the non-Clayton world of things. So, 
If you have future show suggestions, send them into nerd is a new cool podcast at gmail.com or use the hashtag nerd is a new cool podcast on any of the socials. Yeah, and if you want to contact us, got any future episode ideas, um, make sure to email us at nerd is a new cool podcast at gmail.com. You can like or follow us on Facebook, Instagram at nerd is the new cool podcast. Yeah, and on Twitter, we're at nerd is a new CO2. And you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Just type in Nerd is a New Cool Podcast. All right. Well, until next time, we've got a real special yeah. holiday episode coming up I next, think, right? I think you guys will like it a lot. I'd like you to think before we, we premiere this episode, all of you listening, what is a controversial holiday film? And we'll discuss next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.